0: I know that my son Jake is and Brett is, so we've got a special uh, treat today, and I, I hope we'll be attentive and, and prayerful uh, not only during the service for them, but also as they transition onto the next stage in life. Um, hey, if you're visiting with us for the first time, I know Bryson did this last Sunday. I want to remind you, we have visitor cards that allow. For us to stay connected to you in different ways, if you're interested in receiving sermon notes, newsletter, prayer request, don't hesitate to turn these in so that we can have a record of you and your family and your visit. We're back to normal schedule on Sunday and Wednesday nights, so those of you who attend that know what that means. If you've never been on Sunday evening or Wednesday evening, we invite you, we encourage you. To be a part of that, it's always a blessed time. If you would like any more information, you can see me or Bryson or Crystal. Um, One thing I do want to promote, okay, Flat Rock Campground has their annual revival starting this week on Wednesday night. There's a different preacher every night. But on Sunday, uh, Pepper Jackson, who attends our church, is going to be the grill master for a chicken queue. And the money is going to benefit Flat Rock Campground and the improvements that are needed there. I mention this because to help him get a count of how many will be fed, we do have churches that have pre-sale tickets. You could just show up then and pay your $10 and have have, uh, Chicken queue at the campground after church on Sunday. But Crystal's got some tickets if you want to go ahead and purchase yours. This is to help promote it. And help to get a count. So Flat Rock Chicken Q next Sunday. After you worship here or wherever you worship. You can go there and have lunch. And that will benefit the Flat Rock Campground. There is service at the campground on Sunday morning as well. So um, I've been a part of that for many years. And want to encourage what God is doing there. I can't think of anything else to say other than it's a joy to be at Glenlock today. Um, I'm going to call Jeff Root, one of our key deacons, teachers. Jeff's good at everything he does, and he's retired now. So he's, wa- he's walking a little lighter, isn't he? <laughs> Jeff's going to read scripture and pray for us, and then our students are going to sing.
1: I got a new boss, too. I've <laughs> been wrote up twice. My end of year review is not going to go well. But anyway, so we're going to read out of 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, starting in verses 8. Notice you have skipped the first part of chapter 3 about wives and husbands, but I'll read, that. I'll read that on my own. Maybe I'll do better at the end of your review. But anyway, let's go to the Word. So 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And this is really good. Uh, Peter... He gives me hope because you can be a blockhead. Like, and if you know Peter's stories throughout the Bible, this guy was a blockhead. And so when I get to be a blockhead, I think, well, you know what? God's still going to use me and he's still going to forgive me. So starting with verse 8, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do that this week. All right. And there's more. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So you do all these things, you're going to get some kind of blessing. May not be a new car in the driveway, but God's going to bless you some way. And then Peter reverts back to Psalms 34 and he quotes, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your sustaining grace and your love and your compassion that you have for me and all your children. Lord, I I don't understand you say that your face is against those who do wicked, but we live in a wicked world, and it seems like wicked people prosper every day, and then you've got good Christian folks that are hurting diseases and illnesses, Lord, but you run the show, so we're just here to obey you and thank you. And You know, one of the things Brother Danny said at the revival last week that stuck with me is that you sent your very best. Out of heaven, you sent your very best down die on the cross for our sins, and I, I thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made. And Jesus, I thank you for the pain and the suffering and the humiliation you, you endured before the cross and while you were on the cross. You protected me, and you took away the, me standing before God and feeling his full wrath, and I thank you for that. Jesus, we welcome you to this service today. We ask you that you bless the music. Bless Pastor Neely who delivers the message. And let us do good this week. Let us, let us live by what Peter just told us. No insult for insult. Don't pay back evil for evil. Very hard since we're nothing but pure flesh. But I know you can do the work in us. Just thank you and praise you in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.
0: If you all stand up and worship with us. I Thank you, Natalie and Brett and Brooke and Jake for leading us. Hey, um, children's ministry, if you're headed to Children's Church, we want to thank our children's leaders for their service. Bryson's in the back, so you're now free to go. The rest of us turn to the book of Isaiah. This is week five in our preaching series in Isaiah. And our text today is in Isaiah 11. We will read a brief portion at the end of 10. There was a lyric in their first song. I can't remember the first song, but I was so eager about singing one of the lines in it that I jumped ahead. A little loudly, and Jake publicly just—you could have seen—he shook, he shook his head. If you knew how much head shaking I got around my house, it's just—they look at me and they just—they just shake their—they just shake their heads. Some some of you dads know the know the feeling. Uh, I'm just not used to getting that in church, but uh, anyway. Isaiah chapter 11, I could not leave out of the preaching plan. When I originally looked at the weeks we were going to be in Isaiah leading up to Christmas, I originally didn't pencil in this chapter to preach. But, when I read back through this, I told myself pretty firmly, you can't leave that out. It's just too... What am I working off of here? Everybody shakes their head again. Just shake, just shake your head. Am I okay, Randy? Okay, Randy gives me the thumbs up. So, uh, where were we? Um, Oh, I never told you the lyric from the uh, from the first song. All we see is ashes, but God, you see the beauty. That fits really well with the structure of what we're about to read. Because Isaiah chapter 10, at the end of it, it's, it's judgment. It's ashes. It's God's punishment on the proud and the wicked and the arrogant. But then in chapter 11, there is the brightest future and the most incredible beauty that we could ever imagine presented. So, I'm going to read the end of 10. Let's just call this more of the ashes. But then in chapter 11, verse 1, we have God not only showing us, but promising us future grace and glory which transcends all the darkness, all the judgment, all the wickedness, So let's let's get to business here. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 33, and then chapter 11, verses 1 through 12. Behold, the Lord, the God of hosts, will lop off the boughs with a terrible crash. So this is a thunderous severing of the proud. Those also who are tall in stature will be cut down. Those who are lofty will be abased. Now the Assyrians were bad dudes. They were strong, they were powerful, they were proud. Man, when they came through, they they made people scatter. And so God's people had... Tempted to rely on them, but then that reliance on them turned and they experienced the destruction of trusting in the world's strength rather than relying totally upon God. And King Ahaz, who was a wicked king, is part of the context here because he didn't trust God. He was relying on his own strength, his own skills, his own wherewithal. He thought that was a great idea. Let's buy into the world's power and the world's strength, and that'll save us, that'll rescue us. And Isaiah is showing us that God is always opposed to the proud, but he gives gives grace to the humble. So that's what these warnings are, these pictures are of judgment at the end of 10 and 33. Look at 34, he will cut down the thicket of the forest with an iron axe. That's a picture of judgment. God cutting down the proud right down to the stump. And Lebanon will fall by the mighty one. So there's judgment and darkness. Let's borrow our lyric. There's ashes, right? What good can come out of the ashes? What good can come out of judgment? What good can come you got a timber crew, a logging crew comes in, and they, and they clear-cut everything. I don't know what it is with Isaiah and timber cutting, okay? But there are several places in Isaiah where he pictures the proud being humbled by these mighty works of God. And he likens it in several places to just removing a forest, But then the first word of chapter 11 is a glorious word because it is then. There's the then. And the rest of what I'm going to read is good news. It's God's grace. It's beauty promised out of ashes. Isaiah says, But then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Here we have another picture of Well, let me read the second half of the verse. A branch from his roots will bear fruit. Man, everything's leveled and cut down. And and it seems as if nothing good could come out of this. But there's this surprising root of Jesse that comes out of the ground. And we referenced this a few weeks ago. As I read through this, you see if anyone comes to mind. "...the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he will judge the poor." And decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth. All exploited people, whoever this is, oh, he won't base things just on, quote, appearances. Man, he'll know the whole story and work and judge in righteousness and fairness. He will strike the earth, I'm still in verse 4, with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Also, righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. And, but wait, there's more. (laughs) And, the wolf will dwell with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the kid or the baby goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little boy will lead them. Also the cow and the bear will graze. Their young will lie down together. You're like, wait a second. Cows and bears? (laughs) Eating together? Sounds kind of strange. It does sound strange to us. This side of Glory, doesn't it? Their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The nursing child, the infant, will play by the hole of the cobra. The weaned child will put his hand on the viper's den. And they will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For, this is what happens, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Then it will come about in that day that the nations, man, this is a global worldwide vision we have here. The nations will resort to that root of Jesse who will stand as a signal or a standard for the people. And here's the title of the sermon. There's so much good stuff here, I had to pick one phrase. His resting place will be glorious. Let me say that again, because I love this phrase. His resting place will be glorious. Then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with His hand the remnant of His people. Remember, God is faithful. He has a remnant. He's made a promise and He has a remnant of His people who will remain from Assyria, Egypt, Pathras, Cush, Elam, Shiner, Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He will lift up a standard. Picture that. He's lifting up A sign, a banner, and will assemble the banished ones of Israel. He will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. What an incredible vision of the future for the child of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you in your word for showing us, promising us, picturing for us in Isaiah's wonderful preaching language what our future holds. May this encourage us, may it convict us for where we sin and fall short of this. And Father, help us to see Christ as the root of Jesse, that root coming out of dry ground. Help us to see Him going low in humility, especially dying for us on the cross, rising from the dead. Help us to be encouraged today by this glorious resting place that you promised to us in Christ. In His name we pray. Amen. Obviously, there's no way to exhaust everything that's here. What I want to encourage you to do is to regularly read through passages that describe the glorious future that is before us. And if you will take to heart and mind what God has prepared before you, that will encourage you and strengthen you to be what God calls you to be along the way. Now, it has been said, and you've probably heard, that some people think that you could say this, that some folks are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. (laughs) Have you ever heard that? (laughs) Isaiah would beg to differ, because there are several stopping points in this wonderful prophecy where he gives us visions of heaven, and 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 his intention is for us to, to take these to heart, to, to trust in it, and, and, and strive for it, and, and rest in it. In fact, it could be said that those who have done the most good on earth were those who were most heavenly-minded. The greatest, gracious work on earth has been done by those who lived headed for this destiny. C.S. Lewis put it like this, if you live for the next life, you get this one in the deal. But if you live for this life only, you lose them both. And I believe that with all my heart. So we set this glorious future before us and we allow it to carry the most weight in our lives. Now, if we look at verse 10. And if we look at what the word glory means, the word glory means heavy. It means weighty. So part of the 60s were right when people would say something like, Hey man, that's heavy. (laughs) That's heavy, dude. (laughs) This is heavy. This is glorious. God has his glory is weighty, and, and you and I have things that weigh on us. You know, they, they weigh on our minds, they weigh on our heart, hearts, our responsibilities, our our, our fears, our, our our daily grind. It, it weighs on us, weighs us down. But what Isaiah is putting before us is something that outweighs everything. And that's why Paul said that in this life, you need to focus and fix your eyes on the future glory because the glory that is to come outweighs everything that's weighing on you now. That's why it's important that we believe and trust and know that when Isaiah promises this destiny for God's people that this is the way it's going to be. This is reality. These are heavy truths. And these truths must, must weigh the most upon your life and your heart and your mind. Or else you're going to miss the opportunities God has for you and me to pray. Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. you got to know what's going on in heaven To be able to pray, may your will happen on earth now. So let's get into it. I've got four heavy truths. And they come from this text, obviously. The first thing I want you to notice is His glorious arrival. His glorious arrival. Now, throughout this text, There is no question that the only one capable and possible of fulfilling everything Isaiah says here, it could only be Jesus. He is the only one who is so utterly unique and different that he alone is the fulfillment of verse 1. This spring from the stem of Jesse who was the father of David. So Jesus was the promised Davidic Messiah. This branch springing from these roots that becomes a fruit-bearing tree. Only Jesus. So what Isaiah presents before us is this surprising arrival out of judgment. That is Christ himself, the future Messiah. And throughout the Old Testament, he is referred to as this branch, this root. I've got some strange plant on my front porch. This is just off the cuff. I just now thought of it. I should have done some research. But we moved it from inside the house to outside the house. And I guess the heat and the rain... This house plant is sprouting off these strange sprouts, <laughs> these stems. And we were out there the other day, Tracy says, you see that? I says, yeah. What are those? I don't know. Didn't have it inside, it's now outside. I guess the environment changed. What in the world, after judgment levels everything, what is that? <laughs> so the the intention here is of something surprising something out of the ordinary something that you might say oh, i didn't think anything good could come out of this but if you study the scriptures you know that god makes a habit of out of weakness bringing strength and out of lowliness bringing glory, and out of death, bringing life. And if you study the arrival of Jesus into this world, the world became flesh and dwelt among us. What was his arrival like? He's born in a feed trough. He was out of Nazareth, and people would say, could anything good come out of Nazareth? I don't know if anything good comes out of Nazareth. He was a carpenter's son, born of a young virgin girl named Mary. Everything about his life and everything about his ministry was lowly, humble. Then later he went real low, low into the grave, low on the cross. His arrival, though, was glorious in that through weakness God demonstrates his great strength. You find this throughout the Bible. So I want to tell you a verse from Zechariah that says "Do do not despise the day of small things. Do not despise the time in your life when things become difficult and humble. And broken and low. Because out of those ashes, God repeatedly throughout history has brought great strength and glory. And for evidence of this, you need look no further than Jesus Christ, God's branch out of dry ground. What a glorious Savior He is. I came across something on Facebook. There's some good out there on Facebook. If you use it in the right way. Uh, one of our brothers, Blaine Turner, Hannah Bledsoe married Blaine. Blaine's a minister over in Alabama and he's become a good friend. He had a really good post this past week and I copied it. And I'm going to read it to you in case you didn't see it. I, I liked it on Facebook and, and I'm liking it for you now. Listen to this God found Gideon in a hole, Joseph in a prison. He found Daniel in a lion's den. He has a curious habit of showing up in the midst of trouble, not the absence. The next time you feel unqualified to be used of God, remember this God tends to recruit from the pit, not the pedestal. So let's go back to what we've learned. He is opposed to the proud. But he gives grace and exalts the humble. And you see this in verse 1. With this branch who is Christ and the promised seed of the Messiah coming to life. I must move on. That's the first weighty truth. That's just one. So I've got work to do here. Number two. Not only his arrival, but his attributes are glorious. Listen to these qualifications. or, or, Or rather these characteristics. In verse 2, and this, this is what makes all the difference in the world, the Spirit of the Lord will, there's our word, rest on Him. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on Him. When Jesus began His ministry, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove onto Jesus. And he was empowered fully without measure to live a righteous life and to do all that he did and to rise later from the dead. And when Jesus began his ministry, he went into the temple and he referenced this. This was the first thing that he said from Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 61. He said of himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So if the Spirit of the Lord rests on him and rests on us, look at what happens. (laughs) The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and strength. The spirit of knowledge and reverence for the Lord. Those are six attributes. Wisdom and understanding he possessed within himself counsel and strength he gave to others and knowledge and fear and reverence he had of and gave to his father all that we need deeply Jesus has in himself and if you and I will walk with him and pray to him and hear him and obey his word then the spirit he has will make you and me have more of wisdom understanding, counsel, strength, knowledge, and reverence for God. The righteous character of the Messiah will enable him to do the right thing in all circumstances while his faithfulness will ensure his consistent dependability. This is what he is made of. And these are the things we most need. One thing that this made me remember, and this was in light of, of the young man in, in, in Heard County, Franklin, that uh, dr- died tragically drowning a couple of weeks ago, Antoine Carter. Everybody talked about Antoine Carter and how he made them feel. How he made them feel. And it reminded you that people forget a lot, but they never forget how you make them feel. And so my mind went back to the 80s, which is a pretty long time ago. And in the late 80s, a coach at Rockdale County named Cleveland Stroud won a state basketball championship at Rockdale County. It was later discovered that he had used an ineligible player as they made their run to the state finals. The guy didn't play a whole lot. But I'll never forget what Coach Stroud said. He turned himself in to the GHSA. They took his state title away. But the great statement that he made in that whole process was this. People are going to forget the scores. People are going to forget the titles. But people will never forget what you're made of. As I read through Isaiah chapter 11... I see that Christ himself, because the Spirit fully lived in him, was made of everything good, everything divine, everything godly. He has what we lack and what we need. I've got to move on. His glorious arrival, his glorious attributes. Well, well, then the question is, well, you've got all these attributes. Now, what are you going to do with that? When God blesses us with resources and knowledge and strength, the the question then becomes, well, well, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to use it for ourselves and our own name and our own glory? Or are we rather going to use it to glorify God by serving others? Look at what Jesus the King does in verse 3. He delights in the fear of the Lord. He doesn't resent God's authority. He doesn't resent God's uh, sovereignty. He he delights in that. He's not going to judge by outward appearances, and and you and I are so limited. He's going to judge with righteousness and fairness. He's never going to get a call wrong. He's never going to decide a case in the wrong way. He's always going to get it right because he's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Man, we fall short of this. We took the students to the Braves game the other night. We sat six rows from the top out in left field. I'm sitting beside this guy who drove all the way over from um, Huntsville, Alabama. Alabama about four hours, and he's going to drive four hours back. So he invested a lot of time in this. So while he's sitting beside me, he's, he man, from where he's at, uh, that, that's too high, that ball was too high. Um, that ball was low. And I'm thinking, man, I can't hardly even see what sport, what sport we're watching. I'm so far away, and my eyes are so bad. We get it wrong. We judge by pit, but Jesus never gets it wrong. Let's, let's continue to walk through this. Hey, he'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he'll slay the wicked. He breathed this universe into existence, and with his breath, he could slay wickedness just like that. It's all light work to him. The power of his Word. Righteousness will be the belt about his loins, faithfulness the belt about his waist. Hey, Paul in Ephesians 6 picks this up with the armor of God, doesn't he? Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and and have your, your loins have righteousness and justice so tied to your life that it's like a belt tied around your waist. This is a dangerous place. We're in a battle, and we need righteousness and the word, and we need salvation and the helmet, all that, all that gear that God. Promised. Paul picks this up as God leads him to, from Isaiah chapter eleven. And my family's constantly complaining, "Man, you got your belt cinched too tight." <laughs> well, I, I didn't this morning on purpose. Why are you cinching your belt so tight, Dad? Well, I feel like if I don't have my belt tied, that I I might come apart at the seams. (laughs) I tighten my belt, I feel like I'm ready. It makes me feel gathered and settled. And look at the actions of the Messiah. But wait, (laughs) there's more. Notice all the ands. If you looked at your Bible this morning, and, 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 and. I mean, it's just one wave of grace after the other that we don't deserve. So I'm going to title this next section, His After Effects. So His arrival's glorious. His attributes are glorious. His actions are glorious. But then, to me, there's a shift in verse 6. And he starts describing the effects on creation. And then he describes the effects on the church. And then we'll close by describing the effect that he should have on you and me. Now, this is incredible. And, and what this is, is it, it is Eden restored. It is creation consummated. Things are not the way they ought to be now. So... When we read this, it sounds strange that, look, you've got a wolf, which is a dangerous animal, with a lamb, which is a humble, gentle animal. Do y'all see the contrast in this? The leopard, which will kill you, and the baby goat, which you could raise up as a pet. The calf and the lion, the fatling or the yearling, they're all together. A little child can lead them. How can a child lead all these dangerous animals and also these pet-like animals at the same time? The cow and the bear grazing together. Did any of y'all see that video, the bear waving? Any of y'all see that? Man, your first thought is, is that really real? Because it seems so odd. People read this and they say, is this really real? Because this, none of this matches. The lion, look at verse 7. This is a complete change in nature. A dangerous bear and a and a and a cow, and then a lion and and an ox are eating straw. And children, get away from the snake pit. Now children are playing. So this is a place of safety and of peace and of order and harmony. Creation is longing for this day of the revealing of the glory of the sons. And now we see in this picture that Christ restores the harmony and the unity and the peace for which we began with, but which we hunger for as well. When Jesus reigns, creation feels the effect. Under the fall and the curse, that's why every day you and I have no idea what's coming on the news. There's wildfires in Hawaii. There's war in the Ukraine. I mean, I could go on and on, but we've had enough of that. These are his after effects. What a glorious, peaceful place this will be. This is what our hearts long for. This is what we're trying to establish. But here's the rub. We can't do it. We're cursed, we're fallen, every single one of us. We can't pull this off. But He can and He will. Look at verse 9. No more pain, no more hurt, no more destruction. What happened to that? Well, in verse 9, the whole earth is full of the knowledge of God. Knowledge of His glory, His wisdom, His grace, His power. What a beautiful picture we have of His after-effects. And then there's this picture of a signal which draws the people from the four corners of the earth. I'm not going to be too repetitive here, but Isaiah is repetitive, and I'm preaching his message. People who have been scattered across the globe geographically, people who have been scattered generationally, are called by some signal, some signpost that everybody rallies around. It's like the seventh inning stretch. For one moment, we can all sing together the same song, take me out to the ball game. There's this unifying rallying point, and he mentions it twice. What is this signal? What is this banner? You notice when the power goes off in town and there's no signal that it's every man for himself, there's chaos. Happened to me the other day. But here is a signal and a banner raised, and I'm just going to cut to the chase. When we went through Galatians, and the Apostle Paul talked about Christ being placarded publicly as the atonement and the propitiation for our sins, Jesus said, if I be lifted up as the signal and the banner, I will draw all men unto me. He is the resting place that is glorious. His finished work on the cross is the resting place that is glorious. Now you can strive and you can work. But until you totally cast your life, your soul, your all upon the finished work of Christ and His rest, only then will you know and experience what is called glorious rest, weighty rest. Good rest. Jesus rested after the finished work of Christ. He sat down at the right hand of God. God rested with perfect rest after he created this universe. I got a pretty good picture of good rest earlier this week. Have you ever had a really good afternoon power nap? Man, is there anything better than a good afternoon power nap? Mr. Selby Nolan has moved from his home into assisted living in Carrollton. And he was very emotional about that transition. Mr. Selby Nolan, in case you don't know it, is probably our oldest living member. He's gone through a lot in his life. His wife passed several years ago. He remarried. He's gone through some di- different trauma. Well, long story short, now he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. He can't take care of himself, so they had to put him in assisted living this week. And he, was, he, was, he had a difficult time accepting that and moving to that. But, but he, he knows it's the right thing. And so he's he's working with it, and, and he's moving toward it. But when he moved, I, I found out where he was. I found out what room he was in. And so I just, I walked into the place. I said, oh, there's Selby's room right there, 104. So I knocked on the door. I didn't hear anything. I said, well, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I cracked the door open. I said, Mr. Selby. And y'all, his room was perfectly spotless, all arranged and organized. And he was in his daytime clothes with his shoes on, and he was resting real hard on his new bed. And so I went in there and I woke him up said, Mr. Selby, it's Neil. And he looked up and he recognized me. I said, Mr. Selby, do you need anything at all? He said, no. He said just a really good prayer And so I had prayer with Mr. Selby And I walked out And I thought you know it's so good To see Near the end of his life A picture of rest Because I know a lot of his story I know a lot of the things he's gone through And some of the things that are ahead But in that moment In that moment He had some rest along the way Then I thought of a song, and this song is The Haven of Rest. Any of you familiar with that one? The reason that song's special to me, and my dad's not here. So since it's just us this morning, I'm going to tell you that my dad loves that song so much that he's asked for that song to be sung at his funeral, The Haven of Rest. I'm going to close with the lyrics to The Haven of Rest, and I hope it encourages you. Because his resting place is glorious. H.L. Gilmore penned this in 1885. My soul in sad exile is actually the title of the song. My soul in sad exile was out on life's sea. So burdened with sin and distress. Till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice. And I entered the haven of rest. I've anchored my soul in the haven of rest. I'll sail the wild seas no more. The tempest may sweep or the wild stormy deep, but in Jesus I am safe evermore. What is the way to this place of glorious rest? It's in Jesus' (laughs) By believing Him, trusting Him, resting upon His finished work on the cross and His glorious resurrection. And there He stands. And He will call you and me to this haven of rest. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful this morning for this picture of a glorious future. We thank You that it's free to us Because it was purchased by Christ in His blood. So may we remember this. May we be encouraged by this. Along the way, may we find rest in Jesus. Resting in His Word. Resting in His promises. May we strive, as Hebrews says, to enter this rest. Knowing that there is truly soul rest in no other place but Christ. Thank you, Father, for the gift of future grace which comes to us through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ our Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing as our students lead us once more. You come as we sing.
2: You are like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. Everything. Your goodness is running after It's running after me In all my life you have been faithful And all my life you have been so, so goodness of God, I will sing of the goodness
0: of God, amen, thank y'all so much, all right. Hey, as we close our service, I want to recognize Emily Grissett, yeah, you, and is Sarah Beth back there? Where's Sarah Beth? Okay, I want us to close our service by praying for Sarah Beth, in case you didn't know it, is this year's BCM president at at West Georgia. So she's in a tremendous leadership role at the BCM this year. And let me just say, a lot of work and effort goes into that particular role. Emily is on leadership team this year, Okay. And a lot of work and effort goes into being on leadership team at the BCM. So I just wanted to recognize them and encourage you guys to be praying because it's another ministry and another opportunity on campus in which they can be used greatly by God. And I appreciate both of them and their humility and their willingness to serve and lead. So let's pray for them. I'm going to ask Brett, would you close us in prayer and pray especially for Sarah, Beth, and Emily as they lead people to Christ through the BCM? Let's pray.
2: God, I thank you for letting us come here and congregate together and be able to praise and worship you. And I thank you for Pastor Neil and the message that he gave to us this morning. And I pray for Sarah, Beth, and Emily that they follow you and they worship you and that they do your work at the BCM of West Georgia. And I pray for Sarah, Beth, and everything that she's been doing for the community and everybody around here. And I pray that you give her the strength and the knowledge to do what you want her to do. And I pray the same thing for everyone, Lord. Just never pray. Amen.